Hi, I'm Ken Mingus. This is Mingus on Tech. This is what I'm jokingly calling our transportation edition. Uh, I've got Mike Dagonia and Lucas here. Lucas is back for a return engagement. Um, today I want to talk about drones and about automakers in Silicon Valley. Um, there's a lot that's been going on with drones over the last few months. You may recall one landed on the White House lawn. Um, one landed behind a skier that was being tracked by a TV station recently. The FAA is regulating them now, and, or not regulating them, but at least asking people to register their drones. And I think uh, some 180,000 people in the U.S. have done that. So I wanted to ask Mike to stop by because he's been flying drones for two years. He's gotten some phenomenal footage for us for some videos and reviews that we've done. And I just wanted to ask Mike, you know, what is it about drones right now that, that, that you know, makes them apparently the, the gift du jour? Well, we know that drones make it easy to capture video and images from perspectives that you just normally couldn't get. On high, up high. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, and there are two primary reasons, as far as I'm concerned, that makes drones so popular. The first is they're cost effective. There are drones for a variety of budgets. Uh, whether you're an amateur or a professional, there's a drone with a budget Okay, for well, you. Let, me, let me ask you. Okay, so, I mean, I don't have a drone. I'm hoping. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't get one for Christmas this year, Alex. Um, but, all right, so what's the price range? If, like, if I want to get a decent drone that I can get some cool f footage with and isn't going to break the bank, what's, what's the starting price You're point? looking at four dollars to $500. Okay. Um, and that goes up to thousands and thousands of dollars. But the cost of entry... Um, opens up aerial photography to, like I said, both professionals and amateurs uh, without spending that much. I mean, four or $500 for aerial footage, yeah. that's not too much to ask. Okay, um, let, me, let me ask, okay, so the difference between, say, a $500 drone and a $3,000 drone, we're talking like what, the ability to shoot 4K video or Well, these controls? days, 4K video uh, is available on even the low-end drones. So okay. that, I mean, obviously, the more money you spend, the better the the. Yeah, the, the more you quality. can, the more the video you can take. The, the, the better. yeah, the, the the more flying time, the better the video quality. Okay. Um, so, for instance, you can have a five hundred dollar drone. Uh, let's say the Phantom DJI just dropped their prices, and okay. so you can get some really decent uh, footage and images uh, for uh, for really cheap. For like I said, uh, maybe four or five hundred dollars. Is DJI are they like the the drone company? I mean, are there other drone companies out there? Or are they pretty much the leader right now? I think DJI is the leader. They have. They have some great products at you know great price points, and not only that, but they've been in the market for so many years now that their uh, their products have a level of polish okay. that is just. Would evident. they be like the Apple of drones right now? Are they that polished, and do they know what they're doing? They're good. They're good. Mm -hmm. um, th you know, the, the the drone market is such that there are so many players coming in that any... Because it's hot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's so you know I guess cheap to make um, that. Any uh, anybody can come in, but as far as I'm concerned, you get you get a really good uh, price and performance ratio with the DJI products. So this it, it, so basically 2016 is the year. If you want a drone, you should probably think about finally committing to it. They're easy enough to fly now. That I mean, when I had a uh, I had an RC helicopter that I kept flying into walls, and you know it was almost impossible to control that thing. Right. That's one of the factors of uh, the drone's popularity these days. The fact that you can uh, take it out of the box and fly it without much flight experience. And that, in concert with price, really opens up, again, that aerial photography market to people that have just been shut out before. Okay. Yeah, I'll tell you, my, my friend uh, recently got a drone, and the very first flight that he took it on, he landed it in the palm of his hand. And this is a large the drone. Oh, and he ever never just flown one before? Never flown one before. 
And that's, that's how good the microprocessors have become in the GPS systems. He took it up 200 feet, he got this beautiful you know, uh, sky view of his neighborhood. You can program it to follow you around. So he's got a boat and he literally programmed it just to follow him around the, the lake. And it followed him <laughs> around the lake. And we're planning on going skiing. Now, what happened? Okay, what happens us. if Mr. Drone is flying, is, is following you around? You're, you're boating around the yeah. lake or whatever. And how long will a drone fly before it runs out of battery? Well, it depends. Um, uh, it depends on the minutes? drone. We have be between 15 and 30 minutes. Um, I'm actually testing a drone, uh, testing two drones. And uh, yeah, it's 15 to 20 minutes on one set and the other uh, has uh, 30 minutes of flight time. All right, so what happens if the drone is flying around Lucas's friend on the boat on the on the lake and 20 minutes goes by and it starts to run out of it? Does it what is what does it just crash? Does it should it, no, it should alert you. It definitely should alert you. Give you a you. warning. But a lot of a lot of drones have a failsafe which allows it to return back to either where it started from or uh, the where the remote control is currently uh, located. So if you've moved around since you launched it, it, it'll either come back to where you are now right. or it'll go back to where you were right when before. it took off. Right, and that depends on the drone. That depends on their settings. Okay. Lucas, I didn't mean to interrupt there. But no, so, so how okay. did so he was, he's got this one that, that's following him around. And yeah, he had some issues with it at first. When he first purchased it, it didn't have a camera, so he bought a GoPro, stuck it on a, uh, what do they call that? The, the little the mouse, gimbal? The gimbal, gimbal, gimbal. Yeah. which is remarkable. I mean, yeah. this but thing. But that's how you get all the, the 360 degree up and down video, exactly, right? Exactly. Well, that's how you get the stable video, for sure. Right. Okay. okay. Oh, it's remar I mean, he was showing me, you could see like one propeller being uh, pushed around by the wind. Yeah. But the camera was perfectly still. The okay. gimbal just is, it's a remarkable. Was this a, a quadcopter? Is that the, is the common, they're all four, they all, is that for stability? Right. Uh, yes, for stability. And um, the, the lower end models of the quadcopter, the quadcopter format has become the most popular, but once you start reaching the multi-thousand dollar range, you start getting- Can you, you have know, more than quad? Oh yeah, these are eight, uh, eight an props. Octa quad, oh, an yeah. octa whatever, okay. Oh yeah. Wow, okay. Uh, one other question I wanted to ask you before we move on to, to Detroit and uh, the automakers. You, you had mentioned you were testing two drones right now. I think you said one of them is a selfie drone. It's a selfie drone. What, what the hell's a selfie drone? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's, <laughs> Does it's the world need selfie drones? Okay, anyway, go ahead. It's, Exactly. It's um, <laughs> you know, well, it's, you know. the the product I'm looking at is the uh, Sim Two from uh, or the Dragonfly from Sim Two. Okay. And it's a portable unit. It folds up into a nice uh, a portable package, and it it's controlled via watch. And like your friend's drone, um, it's its entire premise is to kind of get out of the way. Um, if you want to film, you know, 15, 20 minutes of, of whatever activity that you're doing, yeah. you basically launch this drone, uh, use the watch, um, has some pre-programmed buttons. It's not an Apple watch. Like it's, the no. watch comes it's, with it, the, the drone. Watch comes it's with a the specific drone. transmitter or whatever. Exactly. Okay. And then uh, the watch has some basic commands as, as well as information yeah. uh, about the flight as well as the drone and satellites connected to things like that. And um, the drone actually tethers itself to a GPS module. Okay. Um, and then uh, you send it in the air, and it basically follows you wherever around. Wherever you go? Wherever you go, just like, just With like the, your friends. On the boat, or if you're running, or what about if you're driving? How fast can these things go? Uh, some drones can get up. Uh, I, I believe the Inspire gets up above 35, maybe 40 miles per hour. Okay. I've not clocked, quite CIA level, but damn, right, not I've, bad. I've clocked my own Phantom 3 at uh, 30, 35 miles per hour. Um, okay. And the, the Inspire, the high-end drone from DJI, is much... Uh, uh, much more geared toward that professional, uh, and as also okay, that's you know, what you get for money. Right, more that's money. exactly it. 
Um, but the thing with the Inspire is it, um, is it allows two people to control the unit, one for flying and the other for controlling the camera. The photography. Right. Okay. So that's the selfie drone is one of the ones you're evaluating. What's the other one? The other is the uh, Chroma 4K from okay. uh, Horizon Hobby. Okay. And that is more of a direct DJI competitor. Okay. Um, it does a few things that the DJIs uh, don't. For instance, um, the DJI remote control requires that you bring your own tablet or bring your own phone, yeah. uh, which displays the uh, flight information as well as uh, video that yeah. you get from the flight. Um, but that's a separate unit. So, I mean, um, I've inadvertently been running and inadvertently the phone almost fell off. Okay. You know, uh, with the Chroma 4K, uh, the display, the touchscreen display is built right into the remote control. Okay. So that's one that's less component you have to kind of and worry that's a, about. It. Is that the sort of technology that will eventually probably trickle down to like less expensive models All technology over the next trickles it, down. It, Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So this is, the longer I wait, the better off I'm going to be. With anything, though. Yeah. You just have to jump in. But now is a good time to just jump in if you're interested in uh, aerial photography. Cool. Um, and what's really nice, uh, bringing it back to the Horizon Hobby drone, um, the Chroma also has different flight modes. Um, so it makes it suitable for, there's the follow me mode and the track me mode and things like that. But it also has a beginner mode, which kind of puts That would be a, me. Right, which uh, it puts a, a circle around you so you can't fly the drone into yourself. Okay, um, But Good. it also puts a larger geofence around the area so you can only bring it a certain distance or a certain height, which is great for beginners. But the very same drone uh, has different modes that uh, appeal to experts. Okay. So uh, there's a, an advanced flight mode that turns off all the sensors. So You're on your own. Yeah, exactly. And you better not be near an airport, right? Right. And what that does is allows for more, uh, what turning off the sensors uh, allows it for uh, for more agile, um, more acrobatic flights. Mm -hmm. And you can do flips and, and cool. all sorts okay. of somersaults with these things. So wow. the Chroma drone is nice because it, it just encompasses a wide variety of experience. And the camera is very nice. Uh, so you get some great images and great um, video, which you'll see when I come yeah, out. Yeah, I'm the, looking uh, forward to that. Uh, Mike is reviewing these for Computer World now. We'll have the... Uh, his full video review up soon so basically stay tuned I want to I want to get the full uh, report uh, Lucas let me switch to you because one of the things you've written about recently that I found really interesting is the growing connection between Detroit and Silicon Valley right. with Detroit really basically setting up R&D headquarters out in California uh, what's going on there are cars becoming more like computers and that's what they're that's exactly what it is. The hardware is becoming, like computers, the hardware is becoming commoditized. So uh, the, 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 the engine, the computer uh, chips, the, uh, you know, the mechanics of a yeah. car are becoming, you know. They, Everybody they has an engine and four anymore. wheels. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, and they're really becoming software defined like your computer, like phones, like in enterprises, uh, software-defined storage or software-defined servers or yeah. software-defined data center. Uh, the same thing is happening in cars. And so they're going logically to the place where software is mainly developed, and that's Silicon Valley. Uh, so they're partnering with what you would consider the more typical software developers out there, uh, Apple, which is on the you know, West Coast but also has offices yep. out there, and Google, Google. And, and other companies. Uh, in order to develop the software, and it's it's almost a necessity too, because uh, I, we've talked about CarPlay and right. Android Auto, uh, which is going to be a necessity in cars. They're, they're going. You to think have all cars will have probably both? Have I to. assume they're going to have to. It's it's a it's um it's simply satisfying consumer demand. We all, most of us, yeah. have smartphones, and the vast majority of those smartphones are Android. 
or and Apple. Apple. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have to appease their customers. And what's interesting about that is that right now it's it's coopetition. You know, it's cooperative competition. But eventually, uh, Apple and Google are going to be in direct competition with Harman and other. Uh, and auto manufacturers yeah. who are creating infoma- infotainment systems, yeah. uh, and and virtually they're taking them over. Isn't this sort of a reaction too to the fact that automakers, when they've been doing technology in the past, there was such a long lead time? You know, in 2010, the car you bought that might have a nav screen or something like that was really using 2006 or 2007 yeah. technology. Yeah. And I mean, I saw a story literally just yesterday that the new. C-Class or E-Class Mercedes would have more advanced technology than the brand new S-Class mm-hmm. because they, they got it, you know, it's a little later in the production cycle. So you've got a car that costs tens of thousands of dollars less than the top-of-the-line Mercedes. It's got more new, the newest technology, basically. Right. And what auto manufacturers have been looking at for a decade or more is, uh, they haven't gone there yet, but they're, they're getting close to it, are modular systems. So systems that during the manufacturing or the development cycle, they can be updated as they go along in that development cycle. Prior to that, the development cycle was four or five years long. Yeah. And so by the time you got the car out to it was the ancient. public, it was ancient. the technology Would you was buy ancient. a five-year-old computer now? No, I mean, really? I mean, that's just it. Right. And that's why you, know, you were getting cars with these infotainment systems that just seemed archaic and they were slow and they didn't offer a lot of capabilities. Yeah. But slowly but surely, the market is starting transition to modular systems that are going to allow them to update just before that comes to market. Would, would, would something like CarPlay and Android Auto be along those lines? Because I'm going to update my phone regularly. So CarPlay will be updated, you know, So and I have a car now that has CarPlay. Right. So I have, whenever I have an updated phone, I basically have the latest technology for my car, right? And, and that's the other side to the coin, is that uh, once your informatics system basically becomes a mobile phone, it's going to be able to access all the same applications that your phone has. Yeah. And that's that's where the competition comes in because the auto manufacturers are trying to create the latest and greatest uh, informatics uh, infotainment systems right. that and applications for you to use. The phone manufacturers saying, "Hey, just link your phone with your car, and you've got all these new apps, and you can download as many of the new ones." Makes it easier on the manufacturers. Uh, one final question: So, so in terms of what's going on in Silicon Valley, are developers out there being hired by the automakers? Are automakers partnering with? You know the local companies, Apple, local Apple, Google, whatever. Yeah. Um, or is it sort of a combination of the two? It's a combination of the two, but automakers are definitely going after the former uh, software executives in Silicon okay. Valley, and they're they want people them. who know how to manage these things and run these these technology companies absolutely in-house yeah absolutely there's a shift going on and as i said it's it's a shift to software to find uh automobiles and trucks great okay cool very interesting thanks a lot guys i really appreciate it i now know what i need to know about drones i now know what's going on with silicon valley and why my car may come from silicon valley someday or at least the brains of it yeah um that's a wrap that'll do it for us for this show thanks a lot for watching